Welcome to Machinic Unconscious Happy Hour with Cooper Cherry. Today's episode is a little bit of a switcheroo. It's a little bit more impromptu than most, but I had Elliot Rosenstock join me uh, one night, and we just kind of wrapped a little bit about Hegel, um, Lacan, Stirner. Uh, Elliot is a psychotherapist and author of Zizek in the Clinic, uh, published by Zero Books. The very roots of evil, of negativity and singularity, including the ultimate form of singularity, which is This is the typical violence of information. It's violent because what happens there is a murder of the real, the vanishing point of reality. Thank you. First of all, you're from New York, aren't you? No, I'm from uh, I'm from Texas. I'm deep in the heart of Texas. Grew oh, up are you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you in Austin? You're not in Austin either. Yeah, I'm in Austin. You're in Austin. Okay. Yeah. I was like, are you in Brooklyn? You're some kind of cool guy from a city. (laughs) I don't mean that negatively, but I'm just like, I was like, ah, must be a New Yorker. You got a very deep line of thought on this. Yeah, Austin. Austiner. I've never met an Austiner, I don't think, uh, in the the philosophy sphere. There's another group, uh, Red Library, that I'm kind of friends with. That I've just met just through shit posting, really. Yeah, it's kind of wild how many people I've met just from like just from the shit posting. A lot of my guests and like connection, like I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, Nick, like all the like lots of high end philosophers shit posts, like like Timothy Morton is responding to my sh- fucking shit posts. <laughs> nice. And Reza and Nick Land, of course, and so it's. It's kind of funny that you can at like a philosopher. Imagine like at Hegel. I know, right? I completely agree. Land does follow the shit posting account. So yeah. Oh yeah. I was glad to have that one in the. Yeah. He hasn't really ever liked or interacted with any of my shit posts, though. Well, he yeah he's he's a he has a tenuous relationship with Lacan or actively right. hostile. I, I suppose you could say. Yeah. <laughs> we could start out by saying why I'm the best therapist in the world. And, and why would why would that be, Elliot? Well, you should do that when you're recording. Oh, you are recording. You're I am recording. recording. Yeah, I'm recording. Oh, you, how my how long have you been fucking recording? Holy shit! Not too long. <laughs> I, don't worry, I won't fuck. Like, <laughs> oh Jesus! I won't incriminate you <laughs> in any way. That's good. You have my solemn right. vow. <laughs> All right, thank I'm you. A, I'm a man of my word. Okay. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it's that, it. It's that. It's the like. Uh, gr- the small town kind of charm thing about me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. (laughs) Wonderful. Oh yeah. So why am I the best therapist in the world? It's because I'm really good at it. I know that's tautological, but there's lots of things I'm not very good at. There's a lot. I feel like new everything else. I know what it's like to be not good at something because I'm like mediocre at like lots of things. I'm like drawing. I'm like definitely mediocre at drawing. Um, chess, I'm definitely mediocre at chess, but therapy, I'm like really good at it. And by that, I mean, in terms of like the Zizek in the clinic book, okay. in terms of people come into therapy with distress right. and being able to help them. Um, and I think that's because of 
the background in Lacan and Hegel and Zizek's sort of theory of ideology, right. um, I'm able to identify sort of the, the, you could say cognitive dissonances both in the client internally and in the world and structurally and how they exist and sort of bring into actuality a, a unity like Hegel's, the rational is real, the real is rational, and a unity between the ideas in the client's um, sort of various ideo like ide ideology and the sort of self-contradictory ideology, but also in the world around them and sort of helping them work through that uh, to a point where they don't need me. And that, you know, that's like a variety of diagnoses from depression, anxiety, uh, anorexia, schizophrenia, schizoaffective. Um, some are more difficult than others, but even even cases that are very difficult in terms of I, I one I empathize with the client position um, a lot because you know when I was I think when I was like eighteen nineteen I wanted a therapist I'm like oh well you go to a therapist and they sort of help you feel better and I quickly found out that's not really the case um, they sort of have their own ideology and they kind of inflict it on you one or they're just hyper humanistic and they're like oh, you know, everything is good. You know, I think that's great. I actually think that's great. Um, those are like the two kinds of therapists, really. Once in a while, you'll get a Jungian. Um, they'll be like, they'll be a little tripped out. Um, but they're still not actually identifying the content of your life. Um, and so there's just, there's so much room for improvement in the therapy profession. It's not that I'm like extraordinarily high IQ, because I know people that are extraordinarily high IQ, and they're a bit different than me. I think I'm smart, but there's like a limit. But the right. therapy profession itself is like, um, it's just extraordinarily flawed, ideologically flawed. And it's in its current development, dialectical development to cognitive behavioral therapy or eclecticism, uh, shamanistic kind of eclecticism or humanism. It's just, you know, you're engaging with the mind. There's been thousands of years of philosophy on the mind and none of it's engaged with really. So it's it's just the profession is kind of like it has so much room for growth. And I think, I you know, I hope there's a lot of people sort of more like me, more philosophically inclined that enter the profession, which is my sort of original intent of writing uh, the book in terms of not necessarily an armed revolution of therapists like undoing CBT, but rather so you could say like a quantitative <laughs> increase of like, oh, this is how you help people. This right. is how you don't inflict ideology on people. You work with their own idea, their own um, Hegelian idea, uh, their notions, and you develop them, and you and then you help them do that themselves. Right. It's interesting to. I didn't kind of quite think Hegel was such a philosopher of kind of consciousness. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. For some reason, I had that kind of misconception. So, if you could kind of draw from that and kind of tell me, sort of. What, what you're seeing in Hegel that you kind of really think is kind of really operable whenever you're in the middle of an analysis or, or something like that? Yeah, so I'll, t I'll talk about it in a way you don't hear modern Hegelians talk about or Zizek talk about because he's like the philosopher of negativity. But insofar as he's the philosopher of unity, uh, what is united in Hegelian thought is, for instance, we both want to talk about philosophy. That is equal. That's unified. That's a unified uh, item. We can go then historically about, you know, when did you start getting into philosophy? And then we can go, when did I start going into philosophy? And we can follow the, you know, Lacanian symbolic order. Um, and you can find actual 
objective unity within those ideas. And so there is this sort of essential um, Hegelian necessity that actually draws out these sorts of ideas and sort of bring, brings to life idealism in the psyche, the German idealistic German idealism idea, but in a different way than Hegel, because Hegel is like the idea is outside, you know, the developed idea is outside, but insofar as he's the dialectical thinker of unity, um, and you'll hear, you know, the opposite from, from most, from everybody, really, you'll hear he's the guy of di- negativity, and Zizek says he's not some stupid uni- unity person, but he is, he is a philosopher of unity, and the thing that is united is idea, you're united in idea and rational idea, right, so for instance, I could ask you, when did you start, uh, when did you start becoming interested in philosophy? My freshman year of college, I think, is when I really got into it. Yeah, that's the same as me, but I, I don't think I really got into it, I got into Sartre, and I sort of had no, I was just on my own, like, reading nausea. <laughs> What did, what did you start reading? I read some, well, I got a little bit of exposure to like Derrida and philosophy and some other like just basic intro classes. And uh, okay. I also ended up getting a hold of this, some kind of weird survey, small book about postmodernism. And I, I read that and that's probably where like the hook really got in me for theory. Mm. Interesting. But it when hasn't you start been, getting into Lacan? Lacan, uh, that's more recent. Like that's within the last maybe two years or so. And that's yeah. just through podcasting and shit posting and, you know, <laughs> memes. Well, and yeah. yeah. Well, I think Zizek really popularized him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for the millennials, absolutely. I was pretty curious about him, though, just because he was always mentioned in kind of the same circles as as the postmodernists or the poststructuralists or wherever you want to, you know, drop yeah. that demarcation. But So I want to highlight, highlight the space we're in. Okay. This is the space provided by Hegel that we could not get to without Hegel, what we're talking about right now. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's significant to you, but it, but it's, it, it, it kind of matters that you can follow this sort of symbolic uh, with Hegel. Right, okay. And, you know, if you have, if you, if you have a mental sort of issue, um, that, that sort of ability to go into the actual world or the actual substance of your ideas is extraordinarily important. And there is no... There's no way to really do that with cognitive therapy. I think same with Dianetics. I think you could look at, you could read Dianetics, like L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics yes, and Cognitive Behavioral it's, Therapy. So it's fucking hilarious that you, I was just talking about that earlier. Oh, were you? Yeah. I was, uh, a friend of mine that I work with, we were having this meeting at the end of the day and I was talking about how they used to have those commercials in the early 90s for Dianetics and it was, the covers, it was like uh, volcanoes or yeah, yeah. Um, shit like that. They were always like metal, basically, like, ah, Dianetics. That's funny. Well, the idea of Dianetics is too singular. Like, he, first of all, he makes a cult, but that's like kind of irrelevant because the idea, the, the idea of Dianetics, which is interesting because it's kind of, he's kind of correct, and he's, he develops the negativity of survival um, in terms of survival has to do with sex and social status, and then you simply just focus on those aspects, right? But the problem is they're too singular. You can, you can easily do a Deleuzian critique. The problem with Dianetics is it's, it stops in this sort of um, survival mode. That's why you get very jacked up people because it's like, it's almost like, it's like the primal uh, idea. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't think it's like a terrible concept except into the, insofar as it's then used as an abusive cult of Scientology. Uh, <laughs> but 
Yeah, same in cognitive behavioral therapy. Things are thoughts and thought distortions, and you can create an imaginary where your self-image is actually automatically good. Self-image equals good. World equals good. Future equals good. And so you start with that. So I am good. The world is good. And the future is good. But it's limited. The problem with that sort of outlook is it's limited. You can, I think it can create a temporary effect in mood, but it limits the world. And then you kind of eventually want to branch out. And you want to, and you want to be able to analyze or troubleshoot things. So if you're, if you start with that imaginary uh, cognitive behavioral therapy idea, then then it's also very limited. Just like Dianetics is limited, just like dialectical behavioral therapy. I like how Marshall Linehan admits that she didn't even know what dialectical meant. Uh, when you hear <laughs> a lecture, she's like, "Turns out I didn't know what that means." Because <laughs> she's like, she's like, "Well, it's all good and all bad," and you find you know gray area. It's like that's not dialectics, of course. Um, but that's, that's what has the name of dialectics in therapy right now. So, which is actually good because it provides a vessel for Hegel. So even though it's, you know, not, you know, not, not the same thing at all. How do you square the Hegelian with the, like the egoism? I'm also curious about. Well, that's the ultimate. Well, yeah. So my, my, my theory is this, and it's this, it's the theory that I work with in, in Zizek in the clinic. And it's, it's, but this is my general theory of being, which is the ultimate ground um, of being is self-interest. And you can sort of, a, a short heuristic, you know, of that is, this is just the ground. This is not the sculptures of idea. The ground is, you know, you have passion, the three Ps, the three Ps, passion, principles, and power. And those are sort of like the ground of self-interest. And it's sort of like a vague idea. And insofar as you're creating sort of things that these three sort of Ps interact with each other in two ways. Here, here I'm sounding like Hubbard a bit, but no, but I'm not pitching you Scientology. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I, he, he's very different. But uh, so they dialectically interact with each other, um, right? So they logically interact with each other, power, principles, and passion. However, there's a second thing that happens. And if you read Freud, if you read interpreting, or Interpretation of Dreams, you know what that second thing is, is it creates molecular fantasy items. Um, so they don't necessarily logically engage, but something will just, from the void, appear. And you have this molecule item, which is in my idea, or, or what I'm positing is the, self, uh, the egoist, psychological egoism positive being is that this emerges from, this emerges from self-interest. It doesn't emerge, it, it cannot emerge otherwise. And self-interest has defined as principle, power, passion, right? Or desire and all that, but that's just the shorthand. It's really interesting, I think, to see Stern, like the take on Sterner being involved with like a psycho, like there being a psychoanalytic component or like value in him is a pretty, interesting take i think no one would ever think that yeah all things are nothing to me incredibly important statement <laughs> really all think why should anything be anything i say yes absolutely let's start there why should anything mean anything to anybody why should i give a fuck about anything right i think that's incredibly important incredibly important place to start um and sterner posits um the second, he posits a dialectic, although it's never really talked about in his, the analyses of Stirner. Right. But the Stirner dialectic is you initially are inflicted by the world, by spooks, 
And then you take up the world again as a man and it becomes yours. So when you return to the world, it becomes yours. When you're inflicted by uh, groups, you're inflicted, but then you have the union of egos and it's yours and you can exit at any time. Um, but that's a very particular mode of being and it doesn't necessarily provide what I would call self-interest uh, insofar as principles are part of self-interest, right? They're not simply spooks. I mean, I'm not, it's not exactly a difficult critique. That's like the obvious critique of Sterner. Um, but, but principles are also me. They're not all that's me. The bodily is also me, but it's not, it doesn't simply overrule principle to the point where principle is zero. Um, but I think it's important as a thought experiment to entertain principle as zero. Like initially it's like, there is no intrinsic objective principle. Um, that's, that's also not a new statement, but it's, a, it's an important statement. And then when there is a principle, understand it as your self-interest which is very difficult for people because there's like a Christian charity idea of principle, which is your principle, right. uh, your principle is for the other, but it's never for the other because ultimately it's your principle and to disavow that initial movement from the ground, right? That's why, that's why it's the ground of being of self-interest. Um, you will not be able to understand its logical development unless you understand psychological egoism in my, in my particular way. And <laughs> I say that because it's like, it astounds me that this, this idea hasn't been developed better. Because if you right. look at egoist ethical theory, you have Ayn Rand and objectivism, which is very ontologically bad. Um, but she has, I think she's very popular because she initially, ha she has a correct notion, which is that it's, self, it's all self-interest. You know, like the meme, like always been self-interest, like the astronauts. Oh, yeah. Like, Wait, it's all self-interest, always Wait, has been. Her, her shit is, it's... Uh, <laughs> The right. human ego is the fountainhead for progress or something like that, I think. Yeah, but it's not the ego. It's not reason or rationality because you have, you have these fantasy items that are created. Her, she, her, own, her own book is a fantasy item. She gets Rourke. She gets Howard Rourke. I got my, I got my Zizek signed fountainhead here. Speaking of fountainhead. <laughs> nice. Nice I move. Got my, I got my, I got oh. my Slavoy approved fountainhead. <laughs> that's, that's I love her show. That's, that's very good. <laughs> that's yeah. nice. He, he, when he signed it, he said, ah, yes, Ayn Rand the greatest. <laughs> Fun fact. Bit of Slavoj trivia. It's tough. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, but she, she's popular, I think, because she worked from the idea that it's self-interest is the key thing, which is true. The rest of her ontology is kind of bad. Um, and she's also a decent fiction writer. Uh, but, like, philosophically, like, bad. Um, so you have that, and then you have the people who try to formalize altruism, theory and like different types of altruism and that's where I started so when I was in a grad school I did a I did a project which was you know why do people vote if their vote doesn't count and that question itself started me down the pathway of egoism interesting so so I asked the question uh, I asked the question to a family member I said so I'm thinking of doing my research project on why do people vote if their vote doesn't mathematically count and they got so angry <laughs> and I couldn't understand how, why they got so angry I said, well, your vote doesn't count, like, doesn't count. <laughs> so why are, you, well, why are you so mad? Um, and it seems like a very reasonable question. So that made me sort of go into the world of self-interest theory, which is when you egoically identify as a group is the idea, then, then it becomes you to a certain extent. Um, but it, it, doesn't quite say it, it doesn't quite say the whole thing. Um, and I think altruism theory is, it doesn't quite say the whole thing because ultimately the ground is not the other, it's you. And it's your sort of principle of, of, of the vote and the demand and what it sort of means and how it, how it creates the formation with power 
and you know you could say passion to a certain extent in terms of you you er, your eros your eros sort of ties you to other people through this so in terms of it's like a bit of castration to say why vote so that led me down the path of self-interest and then i you know i read sterner i read rand and i felt like something was missing and in terms of like we talked before it's like what's hegelian egoism hegel's logic talks about the ground what is the ground of the idea um, the idea of, and then how do you, how does that work when you're talking with two people and how do you extract from the other person? So my, my practice is mostly extracting ideas from the other person because um, <laughs> I'm a therapist and helping them develop the ideas. The idea then, minds, you, that's where you spend your time. Yeah. And I get paid for it, but it's, what a good gig. <laughs> what Lacanian register is that? Well, it's the symbolic. I'm saying the symbolic. My imagine. I'm, I'm creating a fantasy. So the imaginary right. fantasy is like you're chilling. Oh, you love it. You're having a great. T- you are this image, and you're also following the symbolic order of being a therapist. The fantasy form is the imaginary symbolic together, right? And the more you, the more you sort of separate them. According to seminar, I think it's four actually, or seminar five. The more you separate them, you actually that's the means to jouissance. So me sort of explaining it to you like that is actually like kind of, you can look at it like, you could look at it like a steam turbine. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry to go on like a, if I'm boring, you just no. Stop. But you can look at it like a steam turbine. The further you go, like the jussance machine kind of goes to a certain extent. And you sort of produce the feeling of, you know, the positive feeling, which is indescribable. It's like, is it, do you feel positive? It's like, yeah, I kind of feel positive, generally good, you know, and that, that can vary from like, but that's, that's ultimately the goal of therapy is generally you want to feel good. You want to have what I call a très savoir, which is the know-how, but um, being knowledge, the cutting knowledge of being. But as I write in Zizek in the clinic, a très savoir. But I think I said being savoir because I'm a fucking mong. <laughs> so I, put, I threw in English. And then I found out that a très savoir was already an expression, know-how, but like a proper know-how, which is the cutting knowledge of being not necessarily just knowing how to do stuff around the house. Like savoir, the Lacanian savoir, the Lacanian cutting knowledge. What about the later Lacan, where when Lacan starts getting weird? I'm very interested in this period. Here's the thing. I, and I also, before I forget <laughs> this, let me just, yeah. I, had a, I had a post, I can't remember, it was fairly recent, and uh, it was along the lines of Deleuze and Guattari were trying to out Lacan Lacan, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? It. So Yeah. Especially considering that Lacan like so viciously like just said fuck you to Guattari because he was doing some project that was against his philosophy. Like, how dare you? I know, right? <laughs> Fucking try to he tried how to blackball him. Like yeah. try to ruin your career for <laughs> threatening my fucking <laughs> philosophical position. Like yeah. this, this is some serious shit. Yeah, but he was building a school, so fuck if I know what that's like, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I talked recently to um, Saul Saul Newman about Sterner and and Lacan, and mm-hmm. basically that was the the whole episode, which was pretty interesting. See, I thought I was Sterner Lacan guy. Where did you get Sterner Lacan? My shit post? Someone else's shit post? <laughs> I I don't even know. <laughs> Lacan just Lacan is my favorite. I gotta say, I, he's my problematic fave. Yeah, I, I think he's the king. He's the king. Yeah, certainly. Well, his 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 uh his like ontology. Of course, he wouldn't call it an ontology, but his like ontology is very rich. Uh, you could say, or his his uh, 
his thing. Let's just call it his, his takes are very hot. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. They're very, they're very, deep, they're very deep takes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they go, they kind of go, there's so, the quantity of them is just so vast and they, and they do sit and they do say a lot about society. <laughs> Says a lot about society and being. One of my favorite bits is that Plato got his inspiration for the philosopher King from Lacan somehow like saw him somehow. And there was, he was like, that's it. He was, yeah. He was like tripping on fumes at, in his cave. Yeah, exactly. And he tripped Lacan. It was <laughs> like, that's the King right there. I found a picture of him wearing a fur coat, getting into a car and he's got a c- cigar. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not, it's not bold enough to be a profile pic though. Sadly. Yeah. And I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't work in the laser eyes, you know, there was some potential, <laughs> but you know, may, I might have to colorize it. Yeah. I'm tempted to go on the, what do you think of Charlie Kirk making the Plato Aristotle distinction? But I mean, that's, it's, it's so stupid. I can't even, I can't even think about it too long without just like, oh, shut up, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's re he's revisiting Ayn Rand in terms of like Aristotle's our guy. Right. Capitalism. Yeah. Half-witted notions of, <laughs> of being mm-hmm. like erudite. Like I forget the interview. I saw the interview and they were like, "Oh, you've read su- such and such magazine," or like, "It's like, I'm oh yes, I know these names. I know these names. I recognize these." And that was. About I'm about it. to talk to this guy, Riza Islam from the Nation of Islam. I'm excited. <laughs> nice. That he sounds was, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> he's very he's very popular with with, uh, I think black social media, black nationalist social media. And my favorite part about it is, you know, so many theory heads are like, oh, you know, Black Lives Matter, but we have the real theory and they don't have any theory. His take on the, against the surveillance state is just very sound. The, the whole idea of, he sort of posits a, he posits an idea that we would la- rather live in a society with high crime than, than reduce crime to almost, you know, whatever zero or make it very difficult with the heavy surveillance state. Um, it's just true. Like I'd rather live in this sort of in environment than in China's uh, hyper authoritarian surveillance state in terms of the project of to go into the project of socialism. Like the problem with the project of Chinese socialism is like you're making your country paranoid. It's a psychological problem. Right. Um, in my opinion, I don't uh, think you can maintain like at this, the media, the fragmentation is so rapid that like all the social bonds are just like, crumbling before our eyes but i mean china's trying to maintain control of their state of their state media and you know within 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 the the geist is doing the exact opposite it's decentralizing the geist decentralizes right yeah exactly fragments and then china's like desperately trying to hold on but they just can't they can't because social media you know like it's like here's an activist in beijing and it's like what do you mean an activist in beijing you're gonna get fucking shot but i think it's gonna slowly like it's going to wear on them the fact that they can't escape this decentralizing tendency of the world. And plus technology. it's like you said uh, earlier, it's like this whole, it's taken a whole life of its own as well. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like the, it just kind of, I don't know. A friend of mine has a good metaphor for this. Like you strum the guitar with like an effects pedal or something like that. And, then you strum it again and those sounds start bouncing off of one another and there's like different resonances. And then those like, eventually the kind of sounds are bouncing off of one another without any like material kind of force. It's on, like in its own trajectory kind yeah. of. Well that, that, yeah, you could say. And that's kind of how like memes are 
shit posting work you know what i mean it's kind of yeah these but weird little almost, bits of things get stuck together i don't know because i feel like the shit posting they're actual individuals strumming it they're they're, they're shit posting they're strumming it right okay so it's like you can try to you can try to once you got a billion strings it's kind of hard to put your palm over all of them right you know <laughs> yeah. but it, maybe in terms of the content yeah the content resonates it is interesting like i was like i saw like your lacan sterner i'm like but that's my thing but then i realized <laughs> um, he probably came up with that on a you know or some it resonated somehow it like got got through the geist lacan sterner the demand well the, lacan's like the egotistical demanding guy right and then sterner is Sterner's like the all things are nothing to me. So the the theorists of self-interest in, in terms of how, you know, the demand is the thing. What is the, de- what is the object of the demand and what, what is it, what's within it? The Lacanian question. I find the little like rivalries and anecdotes between all of those people to be extremely fascinating. I think I'm going to work on a book that's like a history of the kind of interpret, like, Butting heads like Lacan being pissed at Watari and Deleuze and shit, and yeah. you know all the other shenanigans of that era. They have. Have you read what is it? There's schizo. There's schizo. I think schizo something. The semiotic. Uh, semiotic. Semi semiotics. Semiotext. Semiotext. Oh yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They semiotext. have schizo schizo culture, and they document a lot of the butting heads and and okay. uh, Deleuze and Guattari. It'd be a good source material. Like they don't do it thoroughly, and they have a lot of stuff. But it's right. But it, they talk about like Foucault going like, hmm. yeah, like they're like, oh, this guy, this philosopher, and then Foucault's like, Foucault and D and G are just like the mean girls. Like, oh, I see. <laughs> right. you can't really sit with us, can you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I want to do Lacan, Foucault, Derrida, Guattari, Deleuze, and uh, Baudrillard. Yeah, kind of do one and focus on them. Should we do some Baudrillard bibliomancy? And what do you got there? I got I got simulations. Nice. I have end of the obliged sign, reign of the emancipated sign that all classes will partake equally of. The emancipated sign. Nice. <laughs> How right? Yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty appropriate, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's is that the ego maybe. Yeah, like how are we talking? The emancipated sign and then the unity through it. You can see yeah. like the hit. Like uh, that's why it's good. That's yeah, very good. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it helps to be right. <laughs> I, you know, you know I, I could be a great sophist. Like pseudo-analysis is like sophistry. Like I could, oh, for sure. But I mean, it's like, you know, sometimes you work backwards from the right answer and you just sort of fill in. The, <laughs> and like, is that true? And you just give a lot of posits. Like, like I was saying, Lacan is actually, like you said with Lacan and you know, Plato hallucinated Lacan. Uh, we could say like Guattari was grown out of the ground by Deleuze, and we can we can we can <laughs> yeah, analyze his funeral. And his funeral, there were signs that he was also grown out of the ground. And the reason why it's Deleuze Guattari, <laughs> I, I, I'm I can't I can't do it on the spot now. All of a sudden. <laughs> anyway, maybe I'm a bad. Let's just go with I'm a bad sophist. I renounce that. I had a reply that Bajou pushed uh, Deleuze out the window. Yeah. Mushroom Deleuze. Mushroom Guattari. I know you said you wanted to talk about Deleuze Guattari. Uh, that was one of the, one of the ideas. The things we were talking. I guess we are doing it. We're actually doing it, aren't we? Yeah. 
Anything in particular from the theory? I'm working through Machinic Unconscious right now. Yeah. With a couple of other, a uh, couple of my other friends from also from shit posting. What are you uh, getting out of it? I don't know. It's uh, it's stretching the my ability to comprehend. To be honest, uh, <laughs> it's like I enjoy what I'm reading, but I don't quite understand it because I can't explain why I like it. You know, or hmm. well, there's something there. Yeah, yeah. Especially the chapter six on uh, schizoanalysis is it's fucking amazing. The thing that's bad is I'm like highlighting basically I'm like a few read throughs and I'll highlight. So I'm basically highlighting entire pages, which is you know defeats the purpose of highlighting. So yeah, but it shows you're into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's the best chapter I've come across in the book so far, and that's like my biggest like deep dive into into their stuff. Other like primary source wise. You know how you know how Foucault says at the beginning of AO, he's like, "It's not a fancied up Hegel," <laughs> but it's like, but it's like he only said that because it is a fancied up Hegel. So, like, what in it? What what in it is a fancied up Hegel? Like different, like a difference in repetition. The, the or uh, yeah, uh, the theory of negativity, the multiplicity of the negativity, rather than the opposite. It's like, of course, it's like there it is. It's just expanded Hegel. Yeah, so it's like they are. They are to. He only said that because, in some sense, they are. They've expanded on Hegelian theory, being being and non-being, or being and you could say vitality and boredom, or you could say uh, social being in isolation, or you could say self-interest and then the non-knowledge of self-interest. Right. Um, so you can you can expand Hegel with Deleuze like so much. Different, the multiplicity of the negative and all that. But it really, like, psychologically, like, so much is just the basic idea of the unity of the, the rational as actual. It's like, what is what constitutes the world? And this is, like, not Deleuze. It's not, machine, not necessarily machinic processes, which do affect us uh, and things like that. And, you know, the whole idea of machinic desire is kind of interesting in terms of the processes. Like right. I had this idea when I hear machinic desire that this, this machine has like the self-interest being, the self-interest ground to it as well. Uh, okay. It also sort of has power, principles, and passion within it. Like I want to look at like the Facebook geist as a whole. It's like to what extent does face, faith, uh, Facebook, Facebook? There's a, there's a fun one. <laughs> Amen. There's a fun one. Amen. Yeah, there's a fun one. Analyze that. Right. Um, damn yeah uh to what extent does it desire to what extent does it sort of enact principles all the time of course it's like a principle machine and power and sort of it kind of can only vaguely play with power but you see it in groups you see it in like clout and you know you see passion and simp posting it's all there it's like what is the substance of being you can almost see it laid out for you in Facebook or you can see it kind of laid out for you in social media. Twitter in, in particular, I think, displays why markets are just sh- shit. At, like, it's a microcosm for the people that get clout or have clout. You know what I mean? The more clout, it just sort of is very yeah. sticky. It builds on its own. Interesting. It's yeah, I'm not a Twitter guy. I, like, I, have like, I don't know if you, you're on the Facebooks too much. Not as much. Yeah, yeah, but I'm so, like my all my like all my like uh, people are Facebook based essentially. 
which includes like, which includes this combination of people who actually read me versus people who are just in the systems that I've created and have, have no idea who the fuck I am. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I heard you're the purveyor of what is it? The, the Freud dank meme stash. Yeah. Well, it's like, it seems it's like stupid. And, but then you think about the quantity, it's 110,000 people, which is like Santa Barbara, the city. It's like, it's huge. Um, the idea that I have access to that, right. right? In terms of the sign being emancipated from the random Baudrillard quote, that we've emancipated <laughs> that sign. It's like Freud has been emancipated, but then it's been recaptured. <laughs> so it's been recaptured by me. I, you know, you can you can argue whether that's good or bad. I think it's good because I because I feel like what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to promote a, you know, a sense of or a psychological sort of ground, which doesn't impose ideology, which actually provides a higher qualitative psychological experience. It isn't, it's, it has dogmas, but it's like you can play with dogmas, you can disagree with the dogmas, and ultimately you still get the, you still get the benefit from it. You know, it's like a gigantic utilitarian psyop to some extent. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to wind up like L. Ron Hubbard, are you? I can't. First of all, one, I don't love power enough. Two, like, like hurting people makes me really sick to my stomach. So I couldn't do anything like that. Um, three, like there was a kind of mini cult already, but it was a cult that didn't like, like it was by design, like allowed to be like multiplicity. So like everybody had their own power thing going on. And then I took all their little powers away and then they all started hating me. Um, but... <laughs> But then we then I've rebuilt it. So like 110,000 people, it's it has a stupid name, so it kind of goes under the radar. But it's um, so so I was talking with the guy who I run Anarcho Accelerationist memes with for egoist teens with, and that is another <laughs> like 25,000 people. So it's like the different audience entirely. Yeah. Um, pretty much. And so I was talking with him because he's like a little bit outside of the Freud stuff because I'm doing this anarchist stuff with him. So I'm just like, look what I fucking did, man. I really fucked like, fuck this shit up. <laughs> and then I, and as I'm talking, I'm like, we could rebuild it. And then we're like, we're going to rebuild it. It's like, it's like this, is, this, is, this is the second time we've rebuilt the Matrix and we're becoming increasingly efficient at it. I was like, there's 110,000 people to choose from. And it's like, couldn't we mod another 40 people? I was like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> we could just do it. We could like, we could, we could adjust it. Initially it was really bad because I modeled it after totem and taboo. So I was, I just wanted to run a simulation of totem and taboo. So I wasn't trying to create a good group or a fair group at all. I was like, how can I go from Freud's rules in totem and taboo and make a simulation of it? And as it turned out, the reason why totem and taboo or totem society is bad is because it's very violent. Um, and so basically we, we worshiped an owl. So we have an owl, um, and nobody, I don't, I, I'm, you know, I, I reference the owl. It's always the great owl. It's never me. Um, <laughs> and everybody, and we would ritualistically ban people and as a blood sacrifice to this owl. Um, so we would, we would create, we had, so then after a while I was like, we probably should stop this. And I was like, everybody, I was like, okay, I'm the admin. So I'm like, everybody let's stop. Guess how that went. Take a guess. Oh yeah, people were pissed. They no, guys, no, they just didn't listen to me. <laughs> They're like, oh, "Stop it, okay." <laughs> like, no, <laughs> right? So then the only move is like brutal authoritarian. I'm going to take away all the mod powers, and so I did that. But then I found out this group 
this is like petty drama, but you know, we're here, we're here in the internet. So let's talk it, talk about it. Um, so then I, I quickly realized I could not moderate 110,000 people by myself. So then it was like, okay, let's get some mods back. And, but I was surprised, like once I took away the moderator token, it went from like, these people are posting hours daily talking with people making content right to just gone because the moderator token was so important right it was so significant because there was such a there was such a myth mythos around it and then to like rid them of the moderator token was this great crime um but it happened just like totem and taboo it's exactly like in totem and taboo it's like we went we moved from the totem society to the society of law no more blood ritual no more animal worshiping owl worship <laughs> the owl of minerva owl minerva exactly it was quite a it was quite a scene i love that you've been able to bridge the to make that connection between getting books published and and also memes and so forth that's yeah quite an accomplishment i think it but it is kind of, it's kind of interesting that yeah, there is this zero network, the zero books network. Mark Fisher, even though he then said, oh, I'm repeater books. But zero, the entire network he created and was created with him is still there. This like system of very high quality editors, like, you know, very serious editors that edit, edit like these, you know, collections like Sherlock Holmes for Barnes and Noble and like all that, all that stuff. They do the same thing. They edit for zero books. So I get to, I get to send like my extended shit post of a book to them and they go, well, I see. Yeah, like I sent the other one. He's like, that was quite an interesting read. <laughs> and I like emailed him back. I'm like, hey, man, it was really good. And his assistant emails me back. He said, he's like, I'll give him the message. <laughs> Damn. It was funny. Cold-blooded. No, but it's interesting to have access to this sort of mechanism. Like the other thing about it is there is a way to make money, but I have to put in a little more effort and make an audiobook because I have 100% rights to the audiobook, but that takes effort. But so I'll do that for the next one, I think. Yeah. But they get almost all the money uh, for the zero book. Although I did get a good amount. I got like 800 bucks. That's not nothing. <laughs> but it, I mean, you, you publish a book, you know. Right. Yeah. Next, next time I'll make an audio book. Right. <laughs> yeah. You didn't tell me about the audio book. Fuck. Yeah, no, they told me. Oh, they told you. I actually you. asked them before. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm going to make an audio. Is that okay? They're like, do whatever the fuck you want. A little hysteric. I've been <laughs> I've been watching Sopranos a lot, and I was just thinking, like, if you were in like Tony's crew, and you said said something like that, he'd be like, "Oh, what the fuck?" Yeah, no, but it's not the like, that. like it's, it's the mystics. Like, it's like, will I undercut their profit? Amount? I don't want to bother the publishing company. They're like, <laughs> they're like, I don't give a fuck, little shit. <laughs> it's like, would you like, read it? Twenty five dollars for making me think about you. <laughs> Who would you want to read the book? Do you have someone in mind other than yourself? Uh, Zizek read the last one. That was cool. He said he was really thankful for that. I wrote it. That was nice. Uh, I'd love if everybody, it's like a quantity of people. I would love a quant, uh, I would love for it to be widely read. No, but, I, no, but I'm saying for the audio book, do you want someone? Oh, um, I'm seeing a girl from England and I think I'm going to have her read it. At least we've talked about that. So they'll have a nice British woman reading it rather than me. <laughs> give, give her like a good cut. <laughs> Split it. 
something. <laughs> I have a northern, northern England, labor England, the labor north. Like Bir- Birmingham? Like Newcastle. You know, did you see those riots of those skinheads who were like protecting Winston Churchill? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah, know that, that was Newcastle. There's gotcha. a lot of them. So it's like, it's interesting the rel- how the relevance changes between left-wing theory of like in the U.S. and then when you're staring down like a couple hundred skinheads. <laughs> right. Very different. And they're all like British skinheads. So they're not like American skinheads. It's like, we're going to can't. These are not. They're just like, uh, fuck yeah. England, uh, Germany, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> football rivalries and shit. It is. That's what she said. That's what she said to me, which was they're reliving hooliganism to a certain extent through the through this nationalism, that the unity of of fighting in terms of they want to fight. There's a right. desire, destructive desire. The death drive uh, is present, right? So the unity of how culturally the death drive is just present. And I think in England you see it much more present openly than in the US. I think there's there's a lot more willingness to just say fuck you deeply. Like I fucking don't like you. Like Nick Land is not just an anomaly, he's British. Right. You know? Yeah, that kind of uh, attracts. Yeah, there's a there's a certain there's a certain death drive within the Geist that that I think is not as present here. Even in like New York, you get like New York, it's like kind of like right. playful, kind of like we're all friends. It's like, that's not the case in England. That's not yeah. the guys in England. Right. You know, interesting. I was, World's an interesting place. And you know, that's where Hegel's philosophy of history comes in, in terms of what is unified. What is unified here? I think in the United States, what's unified is the friendliness. People want to be friendly and good. Humanism is unified with politics. That's not the case in the UK. Or it's not even unified in the social register. It's just not the fucking case. Uh, we think it's just, we take it for granted. That's our ideology. But, you know, as Hegel would put it, or Hegel wouldn't put it this way, but if you read the philosophy of history, he talks about how different nations have different elements which are unified, different elements which are split. Um, and and it's just, the world's a very interesting place in that way. And I think you can, you can analyze you can analyze different cultures in terms of, in terms of this, what is unified if I'm going from my culture to another culture and what is split? What is like, you know, the death drive in the U.S. is like we have our like entertainment. We have our, you know, we have our little dramas. We have our dislike at the big other. The, we don't like the big other versus U.K. is like, fuck you specifically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Might take that personally. I, yeah, I do. I have a lot of, I, I, like, it's tough for me to talk with people from the UK. I'm just like, I feel, I feel so attacked. <laughs> but really I do because like in the US, humanism is such an, like a huge idea here. Like we don't even re- realize to the extent that human, the humanist ideal is so, we want to be friendly. We want to be on good terms for the most part. Even people we yeah. don't like, it's like, right. that's not, you know, that's simply not the case elsewhere. Yeah, to repeat repeat the point but it's important that's how i am i am i'm like i just i don't want any friction i want completely smooth i want everything to be smoothed out yeah so i can just whoop zip <laughs> on by yeah exactly like that yeah exactly like bam and then the <laughs> the turn of the reel. right hell yeah <laughs> line of flight damn line of flight btfo <laughs> 
did you stumble onto my account or did I stumble onto yours? I'm just curious. I don't know. I think you stumbled onto mine. I don't, I don't know. Makes sense. Yeah, I probably would have. I don't know, man. I honestly have no idea. Yeah, I forget. But... Yeah. How long have you had your account? <laughs> I've uh, only had mine since uh, t- January 2018 when I was like, I'm making a book. I better make a Twitter. Right. And also, I want to follow Nick Land <laughs> on Twitter. So. Uh, I've had mine since 2008, but I had like a 10-year period where I didn't post at all. So I've oh, okay. been hard at work since probably... I don't know. The last four years, maybe I've been seriously shit posting. Yeah, <laughs> more gusto. I think Trump really. I think Trump did interesting things to the world, in terms of we like. That's the thing about when I, when I do Hegelian psychology, um, psychodynamic therapy, you realize once something is rationally unified, how how it just disappears. How I made that movement. How I did that. Right. It's like, it's just like these two things are split in the mind. They're not related at all. And then it's like, I do that. And it's like, it's unified in the mind of the other. And the fact that I did, people don't recognize it's like somebody did that to you. Right. Somebody did that to you. Um, It sort of is that idea is missed. There's this motion of the other doing, doing that to you, which is sort of not factored into analysis at all. And in the same way, like, like Trump's presence and the amount that the Geist has shifted just because of Trump's presence and what is sort of now fragmented and unified now that the right is unified with white supremacy in such a very extraordinarily upfront way, which was not the case um, previously. It's, it's really extraordinary, the world that we, we've sort of created this hyper, like the, the ideology of, you know, just fucking authoritarian leftism, fuck you. Authoritarian, authoritarian fascism, fuck you. Um, it's just like so present now. And, it's, and the, the, you know, the conflict between that has produced, you know, even for apolitical people. Now you get like Dave Chappelle talking about, it's like, well, I don't really like, you know, transgender stuff. And people are like, oh, fucking Dave Chappelle. But I mean, that's directly causal of Trump. Like entire, entire minds have been shifted so dramatically. Um, that the fact that somebody did that to people is missed. The fact that Trump's emergence as this, as Trump unified with presidency has done this to people. Um, that it's, it's not like, it's not understood without Hegel, but you and me will understand the world. No one else will. And everyone watching this podcast. <laughs> so Trump really did complete. He really did idealism. the fucking system, didn't he? Here I am. Well, I completed. That's what you just argued right there. I just want to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I was, you know what? I was, my initial subtitle for my book, my next book was The Completed System of German Idealism. With a Trump Hegel anamorph on the cover. (laughs) But I I felt like it it was like, it's not the, it was like, it's a joke. I shouldn't, I shouldn't use a Kant bot joke. Right. Right. Yeah. What would one geisty, one geisty boy from, the Black Forest region of Germany and a young kid with the gleam in his eye from, from Brooklyn when those two get together. Tell you what. I'm from LA, by the way. Oh, no, I was talking about, I was making a joke about Hegel and uh, Trump. Oh, oh, combat, combat. Yeah, yeah. The, completing, the completion of the system. He did will 
he did will that sort of meme into existence. <laughs> right. Certainly. With the imaginary, the fantasy, the symbolic posit is we're going to complete this system. We're going to, we're going to study German idealism and the fantasy is an Atlantis will raise. And so people, those are so split. Like, it's just like, it creates a nice object, nice fantasy object for everybody to enjoy, you know? <laughs> I honestly think my, my work, one of the issues why I'm not super popular, even though I'm the best therapist in the world, as I, as I said earlier, um, <laughs> is it's not a, it's not a, it's not a Jungian idea. It's not like I'm Peterson. It's a very negative idea. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, you take, you take the world and you see the splits and you see the elements and you see the substance and you see how you can combine and remove the world. But that's the action of doing that. That's not the world itself. Whereas Peterson will give you a world, right? A world builder. Um, but like world building is one thing, but getting into the substance or fabric of reality and ideals and idealism is a quite another thing. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a story to be told. It's an action. It's an algorithmic action. It's like who would buy, who wants to watch the lecture about the, in, the algorithmic action, but this happens to be the algorithmic action of reality, you know, um, it's and when you're a therapist, it's 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 quite satisfying for me to be able to help people, right? You know, it's with it, yeah. Um, very quickly, a lot of times, like people, you know, they've it's like you had a problem for like have a problem for twenty years, and you know, it's like it's something clicks. You can just make it click, and it's like something in something they're fragmented, they're dissonant, they're the number one symptom, and you know you can see it because you're you're woke like you're me, you're you're me, the best therapist in the world. And you see this dissonance and you, you, you be like, oh, if this was like this and this was like this, there'd be no cognitive dissonance. And then you say something and then these two things which aren't united go like this. And there's no, there's no idea that I did that or no like need for me to say I did that. But I mean, it's like this and suddenly they can interact with their own material, living material now. And it's, and it's live and it's like these two and it really is unified and it really does, it really does move somebody forward. And then they can kind of do that with other stuff. They can do that with other stuff. Right. And they get this, they get the ability to do this and it's almost like nothing. That's, that's why it's, it's so invisible. It's like, it's almost like nothing is happening because it's all the stuff that already exists. It's, It's a beautiful thing, especially when you're talking about people who is like, here's a suicidal person. Um, like a suicidal person, like fucking, you know, no one's been able to help them. Um, suicidal person, like cutting themselves and it's just like, and then suddenly you see me for a month and it's fucking nothing. It's nothing. And bad things happen and they easily, they can sort it. It's fucking nothing. It's amazing. Um, but it's not a story. It's, it's an algorithmic. It's, it's a process. Not a story. It's not a story, but a process. The Hegelian process of, this, of idea, ideal, German ideal is idea being the world, rationality being, the language being our world, and ration, the rational being real. These things throughout the time of their, the time of their lives, but they become immediately at hand, you could say, for them to like, to, to actual there they become actual yeah. it's quite it's 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 it's, it's, it's nice and that's why i say it's like i'm bad at so many things 
<laughs> but therapy, I'm onto something. And I'm only onto something because I resent how bad therapy was. So then I like made it my business to figure out a better way to do it. Right. <laughs> Sounds awesome. I mean, if you're helping people, hell yeah, that's, that's incredible, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. Like making, making theory praxis. Yeah. Well, as a therapist, like I think you, you get all these worlds, you get Lacan's world and his theory of the symptom, very important. His theory is very important. The actual psychoanalytic process, you know, people can criticize me because it's not analysis, but ultimately you're, you're helping mental health. You're not there to masturbate some totem, some analysis totem. You're trying to help somebody who wants to kill themselves. It doesn't matter how you fucking do it. Right. It matters that you do it quickly and efficiently and with, an, with a way that they can do it themselves. That's how I see it anyway. That's not how analysts see it, but that's how I see it. It's something unpredictable in the end. Green day. Sending. President Xi is now going to. Sending the missiles. President Xi is saying. No. Yeah. For playing that I'm, too, I'm too low priority. I'm like, I'm so low priority. I'm like a no priority. I used to think like, oh, I'm insulting China on the internet. I can't go into China's life. And then I realized they don't give a shit. <laughs> so I, I have an, I have a, I have a, a nepotistic in with an extremely high up executive at Lyft. The guy who founded Lyft actually used to fix my grandfather's computer. And when they asked him about what the most difficult job it, he had, it was fixing my grandfather's. That's the creator of Lyft. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, um, but, uh, but the friend I have is actually like, he's a friend. He's like a good friend of the guy. So, so I, so I, I ta- I'm, I'm trying to, my, my goal is to make this guy make lift, have left accelerationism happen. <laughs> how do you, how, what, what, if you, if you had control of lift, how would you make left accelerationism happen? <laughs> I mean, the automation isn't there yet. So I feel like you'd still have to have a driver. I don't know. The, the economic, the economics of it are just fucked. The idea is how do you accelerate owning Lyft into, into luxury communism? That's the idea I'm playing we'll with. We'll have to ask, ask, well, I don't know, figure out the Hegelian aspect of it. Yeah, certainly. Work, work your way back. <laughs> work your way back from the right answer. That's, that's essentially what the method is. Mm, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. It's prefigurative. Yeah, so the right answer is, it's, is you have workers that are compensated well, um, ease of access, like um, housing is easy, food is easy, jobs are easy, um, but you're, you're fairly compensated and protected by laws. Um, I, I, think, I think in a scenario, if, 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 if a... You already have you already have Twitter Maoist Jack. You already have Maoist Jack at Twitter, <laughs> but I feel like I feel I feel like he's he's not into the left accelerationism so much. Um, yeah, that that was sort of the idea I was playing with. I'm like, like when I talk to my friend, what? Do, so I already have a pitch for him for Los Angeles, and I'm going to try to talk with him about that, and be like, how do you make this happen for Los Angeles to make it more automated, to make it. Um, to make it ease of access for people to get these materials and how can I, how can I do that? Um, you know, like an idea would be like, ideally it's like, how can, 
how can I do that um, with your knowledge of how the app system works? And, you know, uh, that's, you know, how could he, how could he do that would be fine with me. Well, as, as a selfless communist, honestly, I would be like, let's do this. You do this. You take the money, make it happen. You know, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy with my fucking, I had a moment when I was an undergraduate, I'll, I'll, I can, we can, since you are losing steam, I had a moment where I was just like, please just let me make $50,000 a year. I'll <laughs> never ask. I'll never ask for anything again. If you just let me make $50,000 a year so I can fucking survive. So, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I don't need, I don't need to be, I don't need, I don't need to be a tech startup person. I just, I just want fully automated luxury communism to happen because it's my principle and I think it's epic. It's based because it's based in epic. Based in epic. Okay. <laughs> Flying cars or at minimum. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That too. <laughs> what about the loss of imagination? Loss of imagination. How about loss of the, it's, you know, Jody D and decline of symbolic efficiency, right? Uh, like the imagination is not just the imaginary, it's the symbolic, but that's, that's what we're reinventing with these sorts of unities is you're re you're, you're finding that the symbolic is deeper than you thought. The symbolic is ideas which are linked through these rational unities and you can sort of what was what was initially a tram becomes a magneto hyper tron thing <laughs> right <laughs> talking about rhizomes and shit some kind of mycelium structure i don't believe in the rhizome at least i i kind of do but i almost find it irrelevant because i'm a lacanian I, I don't even really flirt too much with dng um I'm glad that Reza is a Hegelian now, so I can say I'm a Hegelian accelerationist like Reza. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't know. We talked about we talked about Stirner. We talked about Hegel. We talked about how they're kind of dealing with some of the they're the, the overlap with them and like I don't know. Would you call it consciousness? Would you call it theory of mind? What would you say is like the kind of like what is Hegel? His is it a theory of consciousness? You know, do you know? It, what is, I'm a theory, it is a theory of consciousness, absolutely. Right. Okay, okay. Um, because his theory of consciousness is that there's an a, there's a notion which is developed and it is actualized, and then it's outside of humans and it's in the world, and it exists through you could say the symbolic order, like right. the symbolic order to a certain yeah. Okay. Um, and for me, the Hegelian unity, like when you when you sort of it's it's Hegel and then, you know, Lacan takes on Hegel, then Zizek takes it on. But if you kind of go backwards, if you take Lacan first and then go to Hegel, because, you know, Zizek says you take Lacan is to fill in the blanks of negativity in Hegel. And I'm like, not, I'm like, what if, but, 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 but what if the opposite were true? What if, um, what if Hegel is to make the unities within Lacan? Um, what if, what if the gaps in language through rationality and the gnome de pair, the name of the father, is actually the vessel for unity. It's not an imaginary unity, but a symbolic unity, right? That's a big, that's a huge difference. Um, so that's sort of, that's, that's my idea of Hegel as the theorist of the mind. Um, you know? So I don't know, I think that's kind of interesting to clarify that, but also that aspect of, of Stirner as well. And then what, it, I guess we didn't talk about like, too much about 
overlap. Well, how much did we talk about overlap between Sterner and Lacan? Well, it's the demand, really. Yeah. Okay. The demand is the thing. Right. Right. Um, so we got into that. Yeah. Um, Sterner is sort of like there is this essential property of human being within the demand, and that's in the face of Marx. Like, I'm trying to build communism and kill the king. Like, you're talking about this essence of being being this like thing that he bought is like fuck you sterner like that's <laughs> marx <laughs> like get the fuck out of here sterner um but you know now that we're now that we're in a different space sterner's reemerges like well stern being matters um again unless you know the and it's almost the opposite it's now like your your theories of value because they are so out of your grasp to a large extent are are less are more superfluous so the question of being comes up again and then specifically, how do structures, um, how do structures recapture our desire? And then there's there's one, what is being recaptured, and that's being, you know. And you, if you have an analysis of being which is incomplete, you don't have an analysis of what is being recaptured by the structure. And then two, uh, what to do once it is recaptured? And I'm not one of these. The- I'm you know I'm a I'm a proper Lacanian name of the father guy. Um, you know, once they are recaptured, they are the vessel to your desire and demand. So these structures being set up like a Zizekian idea, really, it's not even like Zizek. Once these, once it's recaptured, it's like, how do you make, how do you make the structure um, yours, right? Or better for it. So it's everybody's yours, right? (laughs) There's a pun there. It's everybody's theirs. It's theirs. And then of course, the person who holds the key is like everybody's yours, but but because it's because they are have the access to that. I was I was saying this. This is worth as a side note. Um, people don't realize a little bit of administrative power in today's day and age can mean you you essentially create all of reality. And I think I think people don't understand this idea. Like it, it's you know just like just like the the just like you know the therapist sort of, you know, you juxtapose two things and it's unity and it's like you never existed. The therapist didn't, it's like, there is no consideration of the person who threw these together. The action of throwing the things you already had together. Um, There's no consideration of that. The best, I think one way to think of it is like when you see, say people like as a hypothetical at work and there's a distribution of power and they're like, oh, it's like maybe I'll date my superior or something, right? Don't underestimate administrative power even if you try to overcome it and the way that that works in other places where if you know if you just have like a little bit of power over like a a group activity or a group thing um just like the therapist's action of throwing two things together the little bit of power it actually creates the entire fucking world um so don't underestimate administrative power in the 21st century because it's extraordinarily subtle. People don't, they're not attuned to paying attention to it and it creates the entire fucking world essentially. Um, don't underestimate it and try to, you know, and if you're listening to this, you are part of the Rosenstock elite and you should get some for yourself. And uh, then you should, then you should consult me and we'll have a union of egoists like Max Turner said, <laughs> and we'll become the Illuminati even more so. So cheers. Cheers to us really. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've got you've got a little bit of clout yourself, you know. Don't un- don't underestimate the clout. <laughs> oh, I, I know. I was gonna say that's why I'm an anarchist uh, for this precise reason because I recognize this. Yeah, 
you recognize this and and of course uh i don't know you're, you're whispering you're making connections and you're creating the snap or what i don't know well no well no the idea is like well i'm yeah you're right i wasn't even realizing it in that context but it's <laughs> like i was trying to get the rest of the idea it's like you see you see the rest of um it's like you see these mechanisms of power and you try to act against it totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But why? It's the Lacan- That's a simple Lacanian question, which is, yeah. I don't believe in li- liberty. Like, <laughs> liberty, right? That's what Lacan says about liberty. Um, the, the, why act against power absolutely? And the, I don't think there's a good answer. I think there's an answer of, I don't like it. Right, yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's my, it's my principle. You could you could say it's my yeah. principle. I don't then like it if, because I've ex- I don't know. So uh, this might be something interesting we could discuss. So I grew up in a small town where like my graduating class was something like forty four people, right? So yeah. Oh, like, interesting. So like the social dynamics are like so oppressive and oh yeah, absolutely. Like Jesus. fashion you so oh. like, uh, you know what I mean? That was just like. <laughs> fucking ah, get me the fuck out of it that shit yeah very edible certainly absolutely uh so i think that's definitely part of it yeah i live in this vast void so i love the symbolic yeah. word. like la is like a 12 million person fucking desert of the meaning anonymity so it's is like symbolic order. Oh, relief boy. it's freedom to get the fuck out of that like surveillance bigger. yeah exactly la certainly is that it's like the total opposite of china you could say Although I, I do like to, so I I do like to get out. We have some ranch land. My dad does. My dad lives on a ranch still. So yeah. heading out there is cool for the day, but I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah. Yeah, the quantity of people creates a certain discourse. Quality of discourse. It's like a more mechanical solidarity. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, when you don't have outside forces like coming at you, like, well, I think, well, I think, Ale- like, you know, I think Alex Jones is real or something. I, I think, I think Joel Osteen is real. Well, I think, I think Farrakhan's real, like the guy. And I think, and I think, you know, you should, you need to listen to these five rappers, and also my friends are these guys. And it's like, or I'm hyper rich, or it's like I'm Michael Jackson's fucking choreographer. I was like, oh shit, that's cool. It's like. I know AJ from the Backstreet Boys. He got me this thirty thousand bike for dollar bike for free. Oh, that's fucking crazy! So you get all these people, <laughs> and you throw them into one city, and you're just like you're just so struck by how fragmented the world is. Um, so when you do get a little bit of symbolic order, for me, it's like oh boy, <laughs> what is the symbolic order rationality to a certain extent? That unity exists, the virtual hyperstate unity, and that's that's the book, the ego and its hyperstate, the definitive guide to rational self interest. By uh, me, coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> coming soon, as in, as in probably a while actually, because it's got to be edited. Like when I got to finish it up, like I sent it to zero, and they got to edit it, and then Doug Lane has to decide. Like, do I really want to put this out on Christmas? Eh, <laughs> uh, how about how about Valentine's Day? <laughs> how about how about how about Martin Luther King Day? How about how about just March 7th? Cause it's a weird date. Uh, fuck you. That's your date. <laughs> I go. Yeah. Yes. Na- yes. Gnome de pair. <laughs> what, uh, who, who is your favorite? As, as Lacan. Who is who your, is my favorite guy? Who, who is, the, who is the king? Who is the king? 
Yeah. Zizek's the king. Zizek is the Zizek, he's he's alive. He's irreplaceable. Uh, he's the he's the he's the king of the era. He's Lacan. He's Hegel. He's our entertainment. <laughs> he's the catalyst. Zizek is the king for me. And that's that. That's that. One one last bibliomancy. Sure, let's do it. We shouldn't we shouldn't make any mistakes on the matter of reasons of figurative resemblance between robot and automation. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the latter is an interrogation upon nature, the mystery of existence or the non-existence of the soul, the dilemma of appearance and being. So once you automate something, the dilemma of the soul disappears. Something worth considering when fully automating everything. What's the, what's the d- dilemma of the soul to begin with, though? What it's like, it? what, what the fuck is happening here? What is all this shit? <laughs> like the dilemma of the soul and... As far as like a dualism or... Oh, yeah, that's true. It certainly isn't necessarily what is this. Right. It could be why. Right. Or who or what is that specific thing, right? Who are they? Baudrillard is another king for me. I, yeah, really, absolutely. I really enjoy his shit. shit. <laughs> Who's the king? Jordan B. Peterson. <laughs> he taught me how to clean my room and that lobster's have the serotonin in their little lobster heads. <laughs> uh, I, I just hope, I do hope he becomes a born again, born again Lacanian. It's my hope. <laughs> I don't think it's very likely though. No, that would be hilarious though. If he comes yeah. out of this whole ordeal, <laughs> sees the light, the light of beautiful, the beautiful Jacques. You should yeah. probably at least mention your places. People can find your work before we stop recording. Uh, Google me. I got a YouTube. I got a Twitter. I got a Facebook. You can see my PSYOP on Facebook. You can see me talking on YouTube. You can read my posts on Twitter. You go, I don't know, you can buy my book on Amazon. Google me, bro. What's what's the book? What's the meme page at least? You should say. Uh, Well, the page, I have, you know, the main page is Anarcho Acceleration is Memes for Egoist Teens. The group is Sigmund Freud's Dank Meme Stash. Um, I, I read capital every Sunday at 11 to one, um, with zero, with, uh, other zero books, people, um, do a lot of shit. I don't, I don't, and I don't think I'm, you know, I'm like, I like what I, I think what I have to say is important, but it's not necessarily multiple, but I feel like I'm an essential stop on your journey to the multiplicity that is philosophy. So you really, I really don't, I really don't think people understand self-interest like I do. Or like, or psycho, or psychology, or the therapeutic process. But like I said, it's like you grasp it. Once you grasp yeah. it, it's like it's it. That's it. Um, I think I think there's more. There's more to it, um, and we could keep analyzing history that way, or the world that way. Certainly. Yeah. But I don't think I'm all that. My right. me, the image is not exactly. I think Nick Land is cool. He's got like Cthulhu and shit. That's that's like whoa, right? Yeah. Like, it's not a process though. It's like, hello. Although he, he likes the process, he says, the, into the process away from the signifier. But the signifier is the process. Funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. No, I, lo- I love it. That, that kind of hits all the, that's kind of like hitting the right chord. Exactly. But I only got one chord to hit, the right one. <laughs> well, you got, like back to the rest no, you, of the- you got the, <laughs> the Lacan string and the Sterner string. Yeah, you, str- you strum those together. That 
the same resonance. I think yeah, yeah. We're, ca- we're catching on, we're picking up that same frequency, yeah. which is kind of interesting. It'd be interesting to look at if you follow that resonance idea and to lose, um, what is the negativity? Where do they fluctuate between? Right. Cause yeah. I think, I think Sterner fluctuates between um, what it's like, what's the, what's the demand and what's oppressing me versus Lacan is what's the demand <laughs> and what stops the demand and the necessity of the demand. So their resonances are different. And Lacan's is much wider than, than Stirner's. Um, but Stirner is like, he really is like when you follow the nihilism geist, which Lacan doesn't do, Stirner does it, you know, if you want to follow the nihilism geist, right? Well, I think this will turn out to be a pretty good episode. But you were good. Thanks, man. You had a lot of good shit to say. That was Thanks. awesome. Good impromptu. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I figured we should just go at, go at it right away. My experience with podcasts, it's like, you know, when you think about it and then you, it's like, what yeah. are we going to do is this? And then you're talking, it's like, oh, hi, I'm here with this. And I go, oh, hi, I'm Elliot. And it's right, like, yeah. You, you don't want any, you don't want part of any of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It might be your symbolic order method. It's just, it's simply, it's not very intuitive for me. So. I'm very low conscientiousness. You could say. I like to, uh, I like to mix it up. I, I like to mix it up a little bit. Some, yeah. some, I listened to you on, on another podcast and I was like, oh, we can definitely banter back and forth and do like, I wasn't immediately was like, yeah, we could just go. So. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to first <laughs> like get a feel for where we wanted, what we wanted to talk about to some degree and just make sure. But right into the actual. On the same vibe. But yeah, yeah. yeah, but right in, that's, that's the thing is like, the, that's my idea, which is just get right into the actual. Yeah. You, know, you don't need the reflection so much, but you know, my, but I'm saying that, but it's like, certainly if you go into the reflection, you'll get a more specific product. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So do you want to sign out? Should we sign off for the day? Yeah. Uh, All right. Elliot Rosenstock. Thanks for coming out to the machinic unconscious happy hour. We'll be Glad signing off the week. <laughs> Glad to be here. And uh, until n- n- another time. <laughs> Hell yeah! We'll who knows you, where? Who knows we'll when? You, uh, so whenever the book comes out, you should you should come back. Oh yeah, me. absolutely. We'll do a more like thorough. We'll get into the into my shit. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Right on. Have cool. a good one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna peace out. The so Thanks again. Of including the ultimate form of security, which is